In our world today, need is a dirty word. People love to deny, suppress, and disown their needs. But here's the problem. It doesn't matter how much you don't want to need. It doesn't matter how independent you love to think that you are. You have needs. And you never will not have needs. And if you have a need, you have one option. And that's to meet it. So human beings have all kinds of needs. These are things that are necessary for them to thrive. But today, we're going to talk about one of them. It's touch. People are preoccupied and obsessed with overriding their biology. If you look around our world today, our modern society is an example of this. Religion looks to suppress all instinctive energies, like sexuality, hunger, and desire. Our modern society has made it so that we're mentally and emotionally ready to have babies at age 30 or 40 now, when our bodies are in fact on a complete downswing of fertility at that age. We have become, as a society, obsessed with finding a way to be immortal. We want to transcend all that makes us human. But when it comes to connection, we find ourselves in real trouble when we try to override our biology. We might like to think that we are capable of existing without each other, but we actually aren't. The human species is a social species, much like a herd or a pack animal. Our well-being is dependent upon the security of connection that we have, our perception of adequacy within the social group. For a physical human, the chemical cocktail that our body releases in response to touch and contact comfort connection is the exact opposite of the chemical cocktail that is released in response to fear and shame. The bottom line is, we are a species that needs contact comfort. This means, yes, I am talking about human touch. I've never forgotten about an experiment that was done by Harry Harlow in the 1950s. What he was seeking to understand is the need in humans for love and connection, especially contact comfort. Now obviously, what do you do if you want to understand the biological organism that is a human? Aside from studying humans, you study monkeys. What he did is to separate a group of baby rhesus monkeys from their mothers when they were born. The baby monkeys were each caged alone in the lab and allowed no physical contact with the personnel in the lab or with each other, even though they could see each other and other monkeys and personnel. They immediately began exhibiting signs of distress. They clutched themselves, began rocking, staring into space as if dissociating, biting themselves, and biting their cages. They did not play or groom themselves, and they seemed to vacillate between anxiety and depression. The babies were then assigned to one of two fake surrogate mothers. One was a model made of chicken wire. It was covered in soft terry cloth. It was made to look roughly like a monkey. This surrogate did not provide any food. The other surrogate mother was also made of chicken wire, but no terry cloth. It had a crocodile-looking head and provided milk from an attached baby bottle. Now this is interesting, because scientifically you would think, obviously, because the greatest need for a physical human or any biological species is the need for sustenance. So of course they would prefer this mother that provided milk. But this is not what these experiments displayed at all. What they displayed is the need for contact comfort supersedes the need for nourishment in the form of milk, by far. To say that the babies favored the mother covered in terry cloth is an understatement of the century. The comfort these babies received through touch contact was incomparably more important to them than even their physical hunger. They needed connection more than they needed nourishment. This is also the case for people, not just monkeys. If our need for physical nourishment through food and water was greater than our need for contact comfort, that means human touch and connection, 
then people, when they experienced a breakup, wouldn't go into patterns where they so often can't eat. There's another unforgettable research study that I learned about when I was going to university. Now this one, unfortunately, involved human babies. This was done in the United States in 1940. It was conducted on 40 newborn infants. I clearly remember that the objective was to determine whether individuals could thrive on basic physiological needs alone without physical affection. Twenty of the newborn infants were housed in a special facility where caregivers would enter the facility to feed them, bathe them, and change their diapers, but they would do nothing else. The caregivers had been instructed not to look at or touch these babies more than what was necessary and to never communicate with them. All their physical needs were attended to scrupulously, and the environment was kept sterile so as to prevent any of the babies from becoming ill. This experiment was actually stopped four months after it began. Why? Because half of the babies at that time had died. The other half were placed into homes, where they started dying anyway. Now this is the most interesting part. There was no physiological cause of these deaths. Physically, these babies were quote-unquote healthy. Now, one of the most disturbing facts involved in the study is that when these leftover babies were placed in at-home care, where they subsequently died, there would be a period of time where they stopped verbalizing, they stopped vocalizing, it was almost as if they had completely dissociated. They stopped acting as if they were alive before they subsequently then died. In today's world, we are obsessed with technology. Now, it seems that technology has given us this way to be so connected regardless of where we are in the world, and that's true to a degree. But our capacity to connect through technology is absolutely no substitute for the fact that we need human vicinity, for the fact that we need human touch. So in fact, technology today may be one factor for why we are feeling more and more lonely and why this need for contact comfort is becoming a need that we are now starving for. The reality is that as humans, we need touch. Even the people who are hurt the very most by touch still need it. This is why it is so tormenting for a physical human to be hurt by other people. Because you need something desperately that you have been taught is so painful to get. There can't be worse torture than that. It's like needing to drink poisoned water. If we did not need touch and we did not need connection that we experienced through contact comfort, then when we were hurt by people, we would simply go on our merry way and never talk to another human as long as we live. And we'd be fine. This isn't the case. Now, it's obvious because we all know about physical and sexual abuse that there are many ways that touch can signal to a person that they're unsafe, that touch can cause incredible amounts of pain. However, there's another type of pain that is caused in conjunction with physical touch, which is by far the bigger culprit for why people have such a negative relationship with touch. And that's the meaning that comes along with touch. People cannot stop adding meaning to touch. The reason is, touch is one of the most profound, primitive communication styles that we have in the universe. Touch is communication. That means anytime you give touch or want touch, there's some sort of meaning associated with it. People, because of this meaning that they can't stop adding to touch, can't seem to touch for touch's sake. Instead, touch is a tool. And the meaning that we add to touch destroys the purity of touch and makes it rather unsafe to touch each other. For example, if your parent or caregiver 
basically forced you to touch them in nourishing ways to them as a way of proving your devotion to them or servitude to them. Now, touch is going to be impure. Why? Because touch is instantly correlated with subservience and with slavery. Another example, touch is so often used as a tool of manipulation that so often when you go to touch someone, the first thing that person's thinking, which is why they tense up, is what is this person trying to get from me? Another example, if someone grew up in a culture where touch only ever meant that somebody was headed in the direction of sex, then it's not really possible to get touch with that person without them instantaneously assuming that the meaning is you want sex. Meaning is added to touch and also the different types of touch in every race, culture, religion, society, and family. Basically every human group you find. I'll give you some examples. In America, if a guy slaps another guy's butt in sports, it's a form of encouragement. It's totally acceptable. No guy's going to make that mean anything other than, yeah, we're teammates. However, outside of sports, if a guy slaps another guy's butt, it means he's gay. In Scandinavian cultures, if you touch somebody of the opposite sex, it's assumed that that instantaneously means there is a romantic and a sexual connection. In Brazil, you can expect to be full-on smothered by everyone you meet. That means kissing and hugging, and it doesn't mean that they want to have sex with you, maybe. Most of the time, it's just a demonstration of friendliness. They have absolutely no physical bubble. Even in one culture, the ways that a touch is given means entirely different things. For example, let's say that someone gives you a looser handshake. Oftentimes that just means, oh, I'm glad to be connected to you. If someone gives you a firm handshake, usually that means, take me seriously. There are also differences in social acceptance around boys touching and girls touching. The powerlessness that we experience here around touch is that we can't control the meaning that other people add to touch. Also, what we have been ingrained with over our life is a lot of meanings about touch, and so we feel out of control of even the meaning we ourselves are adding to the experience. Because of this complexity in the language of touch, we can't just let go and experience touch for touch's sake. We end up feeling like touch is so damn complicated that we go into a freeze state and just come out of alignment with touch. We don't feel like touch is a safe thing to experience. And the result? We all end up touch-deprived. Humans need so, so much more touch than they are actually getting worldwide. In fact, if you're in a primary relationship, there is no single person you could be in a relationship with that could possibly provide you with the amount of touch that you actually need in your life. In order to understand the kind of touch and the quantity of touch that a person actually needs to be in a state of pure well-being, I want you to imagine a baby. When a baby is born, everyone who interacts with that baby has an instantaneous affectionate response. They are physically affectionate with the baby. When this child grows, what this child experiences in a healthy environment is that one minute they can get a hug from mom, the next minute they can sit on dad's lap, the next minute They can hold hands with their best friend running down the street, right? The next minute, they can go to grandma and grandma can lightly stroke their arm. They're getting this contact comfort need met by all the people within their environment. But here's the thing, for a human to stay healthy, there shouldn't be some arbitrary line at which point that style of relating physically in terms of affection and contact comfort should end. It shouldn't exist. An adult needs exactly the same that a baby and a child does. 
Now, obviously, there are much healthier communities and individuals than others in this respect. <laughs> if touch has been something that has led us to pain, we need to work touch back into our lives slowly and with someone that we trust. Somatic therapy is one example of something that we may need to do first before we can let people in our social circle provide touch for us in our day-to-day -day lives. It is to be expected that we would need to be rehabilitated if unloving touch was part of our wounding, as is so typical with abuse, for example. But we do need this rehabilitation if we want to live lives where we genuinely feel connected to other people, at peace with the world, and emotionally satiated. When we are trying to satiate this need for touch, we need to stop suppressing, denying, and disowning this need that humans have for touch. We have to accept 100% that we need it. And we need to start to engage in ways that we get touch for touch's sake. So you can understand touch for touch's sake. Imagine petting or stroking a dog or cat. When you pet a dog or a cat, it is touch for touch's sake. You love the feeling of touching them. It gives you a feeling of satiation in the same way that it gives the dog or the cat that feeling of satiation. Both of you are being nourished by touch for touch sake. When two beings are getting touch for touch sake, there's no weird meaning added to the experience. And most especially, there's no miscommunication between what the person touching means and what the person being touched makes it mean. Because you're on the same wavelength there with what it means, now it becomes a safe way to receive and give touch. This is why, for so many of us, it's super safe to be incredibly physically affectionate with animals, but not so much with people. See, sense, or feel that your body needs touch. Your skin needs it. Your muscles need it. Your organs need it. It's like a dry sponge that is trying to soak up something that it is desperate for. You are also starving for touch in terms of the communication that touch itself provides for you emotionally. Some examples of nourishing forms of touch are the following. Sitting with someone so you can feel their body against yours. Holding. Patting. Gripping. Rubbing. Hugging. Holding hands. Gentle and comforting stroking. Tickling. Cuddling. Massage. Squeezing. Pulling. Forehead against forehead. And kisses, just to name a few. So how do we go about making this world one that makes touch more acceptable and easy amongst adult humans? The answer is, you separate the meaning or the communication of the touch from the touch itself. So that you can either simply get touch for touch sake and agree upon that being what you're doing, or you both get on the same page about what the actual meaning or communication of that touch is. Essentially, we must aim to take the room for interpretation out of touch. Touch is one of the most powerful and primal tools of emotional communication. We need that emotional communication, but we also need touch for touch sake. For the sake of your awareness, I want you to make a study of humanity and touch. I specifically want you to pay special attention to the following questions. What does touch mean to me? What meaning do I specifically add to the different forms of touch? Where did I learn that meaning from? How does the meaning that I add to touch differ from the meaning other people add to touch? To make a study of this form of communication, you may want to take a day. And on that day, all you're doing is observing humanity and touch. Every time you see somebody engage in any form of touch, I want you to ask yourself, what is being communicated or what is the meaning of that touch that they're giving to one another? 
Whenever you're experiencing touch or giving touch, I want you to ask the question, what does this touch mean to me? And what do I want it to mean? And then communicate to the other person directly about that so you can ensure you're on the same page. I know, I know, this makes touch seem so much less organic. But if we're going to make touch a safe thing within the world, this is a necessary step to the rehabilitation process we must go through to restore ourselves to our genuine nature, which is a very touchy-feely nature. When you find yourself in a partnership, it is especially critical that you're on the same page about touch and what communication is being given or received through touch. Because nothing can create jealousy in a physical human more than touch especially when touch is something that is being provided to someone who is not that primary partner. You want to get clear upon touch and your boundaries around touch within that relationship so that you can both feel satiated but safe at the same time. As long as we are physical, there will not be a day when we don't need touch from each other. Our sense of well-being is dependent upon us meeting this need for one another. We need to find opportunities for contact, comfort, and then we need to allow these experiences into our life. And we need to accept that it's futile to fight against this aspect of our biology. If we can separate out the meaning of touch from touch itself, and start to find ways to get touch in our lives for touch's sake, then what we will end up creating for ourselves is a world that enhances human well-being. A world that feels much more secure to live in. Have a good week.